Hello and welcome to edition number 1848 of the Whitney Talking News, which we're recording not at the High Street Methodist Church, but we're recording in uh, Hanborough and Whitney through the wonders of technology. I'm Nigel James and I've edited this edition. Beside me is Angela, my wife, and on the other end of the line we have Valerie Palmer. And this week we have items from the Whitney Gazette. So our first story is about the uh, former mayor of Carterton, and Angela will read this story. Former mayor says funds row has been dismissed by judge. A former mayor, embroiled in a bitter row with her town council, says accusations of her misappropriating public funds have been dismissed. Lynn Little, the former mayor of Carterton, has been involved in a long-running feud with Carterton Town Council surrounding claims she misappropriated almost £5,000. Meanwhile, the town's current mayor, Nick Leverton, said that allegations of bullying made by Mrs Little were determined to be unfounded and that case dismissed. The allegations Mrs Little misappropriated £4,835 of public funds were made in October 2017. She said this consisted of £4,000 of monies donated for charitable purposes, which was donated to the Little Ted Veterans House Charity account, £520 for tickets for 13 guests who did not pay at the 2017 St George's Day dinner, and £315 for payments from the Mayor's Allowance account. As recently as July of this year, at a resolution meeting to attempt to come to an agreement and avoid a court case, I was lectured by two councillors on my lack of morality in not returning the £4,000 from the Little Ted Veterans House charity account. It was suggested that I should do this to allow the money to be distributed to local charities which is what Little Ted's charity actually is. From October 2017, I was accused by the Carterton Town Council of operating a non-existent charity, an illegal charity not registered with the Charity Commission, a vanity project with no chance of ever being completed, or 4,000 donated to the charity account by me, as the town mayor is still the same, Little Ted charity account three years later and was never Carterton Town Council money. After almost three years of accusation, the judge dismissed the claims of the Carterton Town Council. Carterton Town Council produced no evidence that confirmed their accusation against me. The Mayor's Allowance account that I used for receiving charitable donations was in my name only because this was Carterton Town Council policy at the time, not mine. Mr Leverton said the Town Council had received just under 34000 in court costs from Mrs Little following the bullying claims she had made. This relates to an unsuccessful court action brought by Linda Little claiming 20,000 damages from Carterton Town Council alleging bullying and harassment by the Council against her. All of the allegations made by Linda Little were considered in full by a district judge and found to be unfounded and the case was dismissed. The council was successful in part that Linda Little was ordered by the judge to pay the council's costs for the case and also instructed Linda Little to repay £315 to the council. 
Linda Little has paid the costs and the £315 to council, which will be distributed by the current mayor to local carters and charities. Claims that the council harassed Mrs Little were dismissed in October 2019. Mrs Little made the counter claim in response to the allegations of misappropriating public funds. She was mayor for five years and remains a Shilbrook councillor. Right, and over to Valerie now for a story about the hospitals. Yes, entitled Hospitals Put Off Surgeries Due to Covid. All surgeries deemed non-urgent have been cancelled at a number of Oxfordshire hospitals to relieve pressure on the NHS. Bosses at Oxford University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust, OUH, which is responsible for the John Radcliffe, Churchill, Nuffield and Horton, said staff were looking after double the number of coronavirus patients they were in the first lockdown, which began last March. According to public health data, last week there were 284 patients at OUH hospitals being treated for coronavirus. Of those, 35 were on ventilation. In an update online, OUH explained, This number of COVID-19 positive patients requiring treatment in our hospitals in Oxford and Banbury has increased significantly in recent weeks. Our staff are currently caring for twice the number of COVID-19 positive patients than at the peak of the first wave of coronavirus in spring 2020. This has led to pressures on beds on our wards and in intensive care, operating theatres and staffing levels. We are deploying some staff to work in areas where COVID-19 positive patients are being treated and working closely with our partners in the Oxford Health and Care System and further afield. They said to do this, they would be focusing on urgent and emergency care for both COVID and non-COVID patients and urgent cancer care. Patients will be told when surgeries are rescheduled. And now an item that's headed Beckham's local deli steps in to rescue post office services. A deli whose customers include David Beckham has stepped in to save a town's post office after £10,000 was raised. After newsagent Burford News announced it would close, Steve and Sally Coulter of Mrs Bumbles stepped forward to keep Burford's post office service in town. However, as the costs of doing so continued to rise, the couple were faced with having to pull the plug on the project. That's when local resident Paul Miller stepped in, setting up an online funding fundraiser which raised £10,000 in just three weeks. Mr Coulter said, The closure of the post office was a fairly big thing for a small town like Burford. The costs were going up, and so we said that it was enough that we couldn't carry on that with that financial risk. We're thrilled that people have rallied round, and we're quite surprised, really. It highlights how important post office and news agents are. A lot of people value the service that Sally has, uh, Sally has really been driving it. She does all the work in the shop, and we're very excited about getting this going. We're at the stage where we should be retiring, but we're starting up something new instead. Mr Coulter said that he and his wife 
if hoped it would not be too long before the post office is up and running. He said, the application is at the last stage, so that at the moment we're going to run a temporary post office with an agent while it gets signed off. We're hoping that by the end of February there'll be a fully operational full-time post office for the building next door to Mrs Bumble's. Mr Miller started fundraising on December the 8th and by December the 29th £10,000 target had been met. He said, Steve and Sally decided a few months ago they wanted to take over the post office service and went through the processes, which were quite comprehensive, but things were going fine. And then they were told there would be a higher fee than expected. So I, as a resident, chatted to people about it and thought, hold on a second, maybe we can raise £10,000 and help Steve and Sally. I got people involved in the campaign and distributed leaflets. I noted that particularly the older people found it quite exciting and said that the post office was an important part to them. A lot of people found it something to focus on rather than the pandemic. It was a real community effort. I had a lot of interaction with people who just wanted to pull together. And there are so many things at the moment that we've had no control over. So and people enjoyed having this control over something. I'm still getting calls from people asking to donate and they're upset that they can't. Mr Coulter said that the deli had been open every day since the first lockdown, with one customer in particular catching the, the eye. We've been the hub of the sh uh, shop for the people of Burford, along with a co-op, he said, and David Beckham certainly turned up last summer and put us on the map. He's a very nice guy and it's been very pleasant that he's been calling in. Now Angela is going to read a couple of short items. Motors TV star Jeremy Clarkson in Vaccine Plea Jeremy Clarkson paid a visit to an Oxfordshire vaccine hub in an effort to get more people volunteering at centres. Mr Clarkson, 60, visited the Windrush Medical Practice in Whitney last week to promote the Sun newspaper's campaign, Jab's Army. He told the Sun, everyone is saying how bored they are. Well, let's not be bored. Let's get off our bottoms and volunteer. Speaking about the Windrush, he added, even there they need 50 volunteers to keep things going throughout the week. And visitors to care homes, anyone who has a friend or relative in a care home in Oxfordshire can share their experiences of the pandemic. Healthwatch Oxfordshire will host a Zoom meeting for people to share what it has been like, keeping in contact and the impact this has had. Visit healthwatchoxfordshire.co.uk And our next story is the tragic story of murder victims. Whitney couple shot dead whilst on camping holiday in, Welsh, in the Welsh coast. The grisly murders of two Whitney holidaymakers has been the focus of a new TV crime drama. The Pembrokeshire Murders, which aired on ITV last week, tells the story of murderer John Cooper and how the reopening of an investigation years down the line finally brought him to justice. In June 1989, Whitney residents Peter and Gwenda Dixon were on a camping holiday in Little Haven, Pembrokeshire. After being reported missing by their son, 
their bodies were found six days later. The evidence of the Home Office pathologist Bernard Knight confirmed that Mr Dixon was shot three times with his hands tied behind him, whilst Mrs Dixon was shot twice in an execution-style killing. They were killed with a sawn-off shotgun fired at close range. Mr Dixon's NatWest card and wedding ring were missing. Inquiries revealed that Mr Dixon's card was used four times after his death, and witnesses helped create an artist's impression of a man seen using the card with drawing cash. A pair of khaki shorts, like ones in the artist's drawing, were seen as crucial to the case. Almost a decade later, in December 1998, Cooper was jailed for 16 years after being found guilty of 30 burglaries and one robbery. Between 2006 and 2011, Operation Ottawa saw the investigation into the death of the Dixons and two other murder victims, victims reopen. The senior investigating officer, Steve Wilkins, used a televised public appeal on ITV Wales to say that scientific advancements and DNA were making it possible to catch the culprit. When the khaki shorts were finally discovered, a fleck of Mr Dixon's blood was found on them. Three weeks before the Dixons were murdered, Cooper had appeared on the ITV game show Bullseye. That allowed the police to compare the artist's drawing with a freeze frame of Cooper, and it revealed a startling resemblance. At Cooper's trial, he was found guilty in May 2011 of four murders, including the Dixons, a rape and sexual assault. In an accompanying ITV documentary last week, Catching the Game Show Killer, Mr Wilkins said of Cooper, he is the most dangerous human being that I've ever come in contact with. From day one, I felt I would find the person responsible. Evidence is always there, you've just got to find it. In 1985, Cooper had shot dead a millionaire Richard Thompson and his sister Helen after being caught breaking into their home. And then in 1996, Cooper held a couple of teenagers at gunpoint as they played in the field. He raped one of them and sexually assaulted the other. Cooper is currently serving four whole life sentences. The ITV crime thriller is based on a book written by Mr Wilkins and ITV journalist Jonathan Hill, who followed the story closely. The pair formed a strong friendship, and their book, The Pembrokeshire Brookshire Murders, Catching the Bullseye Killer, was published shortly after Cooper was imprisoned. And now, to lighten the mood a little, we've got a poem by Cynthia Nepinski called The Workout, which is going to be read by Valerie. I need to lose weight. Just a pound or twenty. If I could lose 50, well, that would be plenty. I could join a gym, but I don't have the gumption. My legging-clad legs aren't for public consumption. My exercise bike is succumbing to rust and only gets touched when I really must dust. And much like a pet in need of attention, it made me feel guilty and slack not to mention. The solution, of course, was such a no-brainer. I bought it a mate, an elliptical trainer. This is quite easy, or so I reckoned when I tried it in store for a whole 15 seconds. But once it was home and I tried it for longer, the pain in my side was all that got stronger. 
I puffed and I gasped till I couldn't breathe. Kicked off at nine, it was now 9.03. Of course, the resistance must be way too high. But no, it read zero. I thought I might cry. The six on the dial sat silently mocking. My level of fitness was really quite shocking. Motivation was all that I saw myself losing, and my self-esteem was taking a bruising. I tried it to music, but all that achieved, it drowned out the sound of my poor creaking knees. This instrument of torture could go take a hike. I glanced now with longing at my trusty bike. I couldn't recall why we had parted ways, climbed up on the seat and thought, happy days. I pedalled with gusto, but soon I remembered it felt my, like my buttocks were being dismembered. The padding on my derriere is quite thick, so why does it feel like I'm perched on a brick? It was just all too hard. I gave up in disgust. My plan to lose weight was clearly a bust. Oh well. At least I can say that I tried it. I mean, really, I can't be expected to diet. Thank you, Valerie. I hope that brought a smile to your face. And we carry on with our next story about uh, our local MP, Robert Courts. Witness MP has helped to start construction at a new housing estate. Robert Courts was on hand to launch the 50 Home Marlborough Gardens development build in North Lee. Mr Courts said, I'm delighted to see much needed quality new homes being built in North Lee, especially the affordable element for local people. Bewley Homes has a reputation for building superb developments that stand the test of time in terms of their character within their settings. I look forward to coming back and having a look around the show home when it opens next year. Andrew Brooks, Managing Director of Bewley Homes, said Robert was genuinely interested in building quality new homes in the area. Thank you. Now over to Valerie again for two items in brief. The elderly offered free lift to vaccination centre. A community-spirited taxi service in West Oxfordshire has offered free rides to elderly passengers who need help getting to a vaccination hub. Elderly singles or couples living in Whitney and the surrounding area can confidently telephone Abdul's taxi service if they cannot get to the town's Windrush Health Centre on their own. Medics at the practice in Welsh Way began administering vaccines to people aged 80 and over and health and social care workers this month. To get in touch with Abdul's taxi service, call on 07944 Now, flooding looking likely. A yellow weather warning for rain across the county has been issued by the Met Office for this week. The alert covered most of England, starting at midday Wednesday, Midnight Wednesday and lasting until 3 a.m. Thursday. 
Forecasters say there is a likely chance that some homes and businesses could be flooded quickly. In Oxford, strong winds were, are, were expected to reach speeds of up to 38 mile an hour on Wednesday. There will be highs of 11 degrees centigrade. On Thursday, there were forecast to be winds of up to 32 miles an hour and highs of 7 degrees centigrade. Health Arts Project Top for Innovation A hospital arts programme has given a been given a national award. Creating with Care was started by West Oxfordshire District Council four years ago and sees patients get involved in a range of activities. The scheme was set up by Angela Conlon and dementia nurse Paula Ha after Ms Conlon originally became, came in as an artist in residence at Whitney Community Hospital. The initiative was soon rolled out across all six of Oxford Health's community hospitals. Patients get involved in photography, mosaics, dance, drama and poetry, and during the pandemic, activity packs have been given out, along with online performances from musicians. Over the last four years, there has been a total of 4,350 patient attendances at sessions, while £39,784 has been raised for projects. Creating with Care claimed the Innovation and Best Practice Improving Patient Care category at the Community Hospitals Association Innovations and Best Practice Awards. Thank you, Valerie. And now it's quiz time. First, let's have the answers to last week's quiz, uh, which was set by Peter. And his first question was, which sport uh, takes place in a velodrome? And the answer is cycling. Number two, in which fictional town is Coronation Street set? And the answer is Weatherfield. Question three, who created the fictional town of Narnia? And the answer is C.S. Lewis. Who wrote the play which was later turned into the musical My Fair Lady? And the answer was George Bernard Shaw. And the fifth question, which British port has four tides a day? And the answer is Southampton. And so to the questions for this week. Question one. What part of the palm tree does tapioca come from? Question two. In which country was John McEnroe, the tennis player, born? Question three. Which famous abbey is depicted in the Bayeux Tapestry? Question four. Which is the only American state beginning with P? And question five. Ammon is the chief god in which mythology? And the answers to those questions will be given next week. So now over to Angela for an item which is about play parks. People are concerned about impact on children's mental health. Parents have hit out after council closed village play parks. Bampton Parish Council has now decided one of the parks could reopen if community help was forthcoming. The U-turn at a meeting last week came after parents raised concern about the impact on their children's 
physical and mental health. One parent who did not want to be named said, this has left many local residents with young children without a place to take their kids, given the government guidelines not to travel. We are concerned about the impact on children's physical and mental health, as well as depriving parents of a place to take their children during lockdown. Many residents have volunteered to help with opening and closing the parks and require cleaner equipment, but these offers have so far been ignored by the council. Given that all other local villages, including Aston, Alverscott and Bryce Norton, seem to have managed to keep their parks open, we feel that Bampton are overlooking their duty to local residents. The Parish Council said if met Bampton Recreation Ground Trust last week to discuss the parks. Its statement added, The Council and Trust were very aware of the depth of feeling expressed by a few members of the community via social media and emails about the temporary closure of Mercury Close and Pembroke Place play areas. They discussed government regulations with which they are required to comply. The revised risk assessment report undertaken in view of the government lockdown and advice received from their insurers. It was decided that if community help was forthcoming, Pembroke Place Play Park could be opened, but regrettably, Mercury Close Play Park would need to remain closed. The reason for this is there is evidence that the Mercury Close Park despite being fenced, is being accessed when closed, making it impossible to ensure compliance with government regulations. The Parish Council and Recreation Ground Trust are run by volunteers and have very limited resources. They will therefore need to call for assistance from residents if Pembroke places to reopen. The Council will contact these residents who have shown an interest in helping and have commissioned the new signs needed and the work to adapt play equipment where social distancing cannot be safely controlled, for example tunnels. The recreation ground and Sanford Field in the village remain open. Thank you. And now we go over to Valerie for another item which really uh, exists again about uh, the coronavirus. Don't risk it. Public told to stay home with rates up and jabs still to kick in. People are being told to only shop for essentials, even where some food retailers also sell other goods, to avoid risks to themselves or others as the virus surges through the nation and patient numbers soar. Don't go out is the stark warning from Oxfordshire's public health chief as COVID infections in the county hit their highest point in the pandemic so far. Ansaf Azar, Oxfordshire's Director of Public Health, said the region was in the eye of the storm, with cases surging beyond the first wave and showing no sign of improving. The prevalence of COVID in Oxfordshire is higher than it has ever been. We are in a worse position than at the height of the first wave last spring, and the situation is continuing to deteriorate. He urged people to stay at home avoid mixing with other households and abide by the lockdown rules to the letter to curb the rapid spread of COVID-19 locally. Of particular concern is North Oxfordshire, 
with Chawa seeing rates between 900 and 1,000 per 100,000 people reported last week, putting it in the top 50 coronavirus hotspots in England. Mr Azar said in some parts of the county, such as the Hardwick and Ruscott areas of Banbury, rates were significantly higher even than the Chawa range. All other parts of Oxfordshire are also showing high rates compared to before Christmas. The county as a whole has an infection rate per 100,000 people of 563 for the seven days to January the 7th, up from 519 the week before, with Chawa by a wide margin the worst hit at 901. Next highest was Oxford at 585 followed by South Oxfordshire at 438, West Oxfordshire at 415, and finally Vale of White Horse at 412. Mr Azar said he was aware people were fed up of restrictions, but stressed the situation was exceptionally serious, saying, we are in the eye of the storm. He added, the vaccine will not start to have an influence for some weeks. And so the only weapon we have against this virus is to stay at home and avoid mixing with people outside of our households. We are dealing with a new variant that is extremely infectious and therefore need to be even more careful than last spring. The public health head said COVID-19 loves crowds and urged people to only go shopping when it is essential, shop alone and local keep two metres from others and go outside for exercise only once a day. He added, being out and about presents a real risk. So limit the time you are out of the house and take every precaution. One in three people with COVID don't know they have it. So act like you've got it to reduce the spread. We need people to hear that message loud and clear. I know this is all familiar from the first lockdown last spring, but the strict observation of the rules last March and April helped drive down cases. We need to remember that and do the same now. He said health services were relying on the people of Oxfordshire as individuals, families and work colleagues to regain control of the virus by doing what is needed. He added, I would plead with every individual in the county to look deep inside themselves and honestly ask if they are abiding by the rules. Hospitalizations and deaths from the virus are continuing to rise rapidly and we are now seeing more younger people admitted to hospital. Please do everything you can to stop the spread. The power to fight back against COVID remains in our own hands. North Oxfordshire MP Victoria Prentice described the situation in Charwell as critical, saying, The past year has been difficult for everyone. We are all tired and frustrated about the ongoing restrictions. However, the situation in Charwell is critical. Approximately one in three people who have coronavirus have no symptoms and could be spreading it without realising. She added, it is more important than ever that we follow the rules and stay at home.
We all have a part to play in bringing infection rates down in Charwell um, and beyond and can do that by washing our hands regularly, using face coverings and making space. Thank you, Valerie. And now we come to our reflection, and it's another reflection by Frank Topping, a well-known broadcaster, and it's called Time to be Honest. How difficult it is to say I was wrong, to make a straightforward confession. Even at the suggestion of fault, my every instinct leaps to rationalise every action, every word. My deeds are misunderstood, my words misinterpreted. I'll say, I had no option, I had to do that. I'll prevaricate. If she hadn't said that, then I wouldn't have replied as I did. It's hard to say I was wrong, forgive me. What complex arguments, what involved explanations we launch into, rather than admitting that we are at fault? How defensive I am if any statement of mine is questioned. How aggressive I become if blame looks like stopping at my doorstep. Perhaps it's the instinct for survival, or perhaps it's simply pride that makes me believe my own excuses, that convinces me that I'm always right. Lord, help me to face the truth about myself. Help me to hear my words as others hear them, to see my face as others see me. Let me be honest enough to recognise my impatience and conceit. Let me recognise my anger and selfishness. Give me sufficient humility to accept my own weaknesses for what they are. Give me the grace, at least in your presence, to say I was wrong. Forgive me. And now Angela has a story about a housing plan for a pub. A bid to turn a village's last remaining pub into housing has been turned down by councillors. The Chili Pepper in Broadwell, which has been closed for 10 years, was the main focus of West Oxfordshire District Council Lowlands Aerial Planning Subcommittee. Councillors debated the importance of the pub to the community and decided to refuse the application. Outlining the application, Council Officer Stuart McIver said, Given that the premises has not operated as a business for over 10 years and that there are three restaurants or bars in the immediate vicinity in the nearby villages of Philkins, Alverscott and Langford, officers consider that there is accessibility for local residents for appropriate alternative provision. However, Susie Cool, District Councillor for the Ward, asked the committee not to approve the application. She said approximately... Ten years ago, there was an application for change of use on this property. The village made strong representation at the time that the pub could and should be an asset worth preserving. The Chilli Pepper is the last pub in Broadwell, and if change of use is permitted, villagers will lose the only opportunity to have a community hub. An applicant letter submitted with a proposal read, after 20 years and trying to keep afloat and trying multiple avenues to make the business work, it is evident that the chilli pepper is not viable as a business nor commu commercial establishment. 
Susan Barrow, the agent for the applicant, told the meeting, As a family, we have been in the catering business for many, many years. Despite an initial objection, WODC's business development officer withdrew it prior to the meeting, saying, In this instant, we have a pub that has not fully traded for many years and where the owners have invested heavily but to no avail, such that a business has not been able to trade successfully again. Independent councillor Richard Langridge proposed refusal of the application. He said, as we recover from this pandemic and as we try to repair the damage that's been done in the social fabric of our society by this pandemic, we're going to need places like this more than ever and frankly, I don't think we should give up on this one yet. Thank you. Now it's over to Valerie again for the family announcements. Yes, and sadly we have to report the following deaths. Patrick Tony Bartlett on 7th of January, aged 87. Richard Andrew Bridgewater on the 29th of December, no age given. Lloyd Calcutt on 12th of January, aged 38. The Reverend Michael John Gillyhead on the 10th of January, aged 92. Michael, known as Mike or Mick Simpson, on the 5th of January, aged 75. Greta Williams on 11th of January, no age given. Our condolences to family and friends on their sad loss. But on a happier note, congratulations to Eric and Marjorie May on their diamond wedding. Thank you, Valerie. And our last item today is fire and pandemic not thwarting garage. A group of bikers who have faced a pub fire and move of premises last year are hoping for a better 2021. To say 2020 was a troublesome year for the team at Crawley Custom Classic Motorcycle Engineers would be an understatement. A blaze at the pub where the engineer Bob Common lived left him finding a new place to call home. However, the bikers have not let events phase them and continue to offer their unique services to customers across the country. Conrad Weisskorantz who helps out at the garage said the garage had all the big things happen uh, pretty much all at once covid and then the lockdown and a move and then the pub burning down this all happened within a couple of months it's made life more difficult and then with them not being allowed to uh, close contact with people which then slowed the business down the garage went through the process of moving bases at crawley mill industrial estate then came the blaze at the Crawley Inn, which required crews from six county fire stations to tackle. The next thing we know, the phone goes, and it's the fire service telling Bob to get round to the pub, said Mr. Weisskrantz. It's a great shame, as it might not reopen now. But the workshops started to recover from September and October, and things look stabilised, although the new lockdowns don't help, obviously. Mr. Weisskrantz said the garage offers something few places in the county can. The workshop specialises in Harley-Davidson's, British bikes and some Japanese ones as well, he said. 
They're quite unique for Oxfordshire, and there aren't too many places left quite as specialised. Garage boss Andy Sullivan Webb said, It's been a worrying year with uh, Bob and the pub fire, and we were quite connected with the pub, it being the Bikers pub. We got some new plans ahead for this year. We're going to have more parts of departments. People can buy parts and we're looking to getting someone younger in to pass on our skills and knowledge to. We try to keep the place like it was in the 60s. That's when motorbikes were at their height. And we like customers to have that feeling. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you very much for listening. And it only remains for me to thank the Whitney Gazette for the stories we've used today. Thanks also to our technical expert, Rob Oxpring, and to our readers, Valerie Palmer and Angela James. And I know we'd all like to say goodbye until our next edition. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>